All right, we're in it. Welcome everybody back to another episode of the Waters Run Deep podcast. Joined here by myself, Chris, here with Angela and Amanda. Um, I thought for a minute maybe you forgot my name and I was like, I'm sorry. I'm like the second person you knew in this world. Like, how dare you forget true. my name? Very true. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, not that our intros are not good now i just feel like they're not as good as they could be when i do them when everybody else do does them i feel like they're great so i'm trying to <laughs> make it more professional i'm so, just giving you a hard time love it love it so um want to thank everybody for tuning in and, and sticking with us i know we've been kind of uh, flaky here recently and we're trying to spin that around um there was a lot of uh unfortunate changes and and good changes in the um waters world or everything so we're just trying to keep the the wheels on the track here um as always please uh reach out to us via our instagram at twrd that's twrd underscore podcast you can also email us at the waters run deep podcast at gmail.com um don't forget to rate and review on your podcast platform of choice that helps us out greatly and if anybody's interested in joining us and have a topic they want to bring on or if they want to come on and talk about some conspiracy stuff or stuff that they've seen or done or whatever, we're, we're, um, we're about it. So uh, just reach out to us and, and let us know. Um, today, we're going to be talking about uh, one of my favorite topics, Operation High Jump. Uh, before we do that, we're going to do some Wacky World News. All right, so I'm going to do one story, and then Andrew's going to do another, because that's just how we decided to roll this time. So this first story, I'd like to dedicate to our late Uncle Charlie, because when I read this, I was like, oh, maybe he was on to something. So a Florida woman uses Mountain Dew to erase DNA. And... Say what? Yeah, so this lovely Florida lady doused herself in Mountain Dew after allegedly killing her roommate to hide the evidence because um, she believed that the Mountain Dew would like hide the DNA evidence. Um, she reportedly asked for a drink after police told her they wanted to test her DNA, and that's when she poured Mountain Dew, diet Mountain Dew, all over herself in the attempt to get rid of evidence that she allegedly stabbed her roommate to death. So. Was she trying to get rid of the evidence, like blood splatter and stuff, from her roommate off of herself? Um, yeah, that's what it sounds like. So, according to the affidavit, affidavit, after she asked for the drink, she poured the soda onto herself, and what police allege was an attempt to wash the blood from her legs before being tested. So, it sounds like when they found her, she had the DNA all over. Her. Oh, um, according to various reports. Authorities eventually tested the DNA on the bloody knife discovered and found that the blood was allegedly the same blood. I think it was the blood. Um, yeah. So. Well, Hold on. Hey. Amanda left out some key details to this story. What did I leave out? Um, well, the woman in question who doused herself in the Diet Mountain Dew. Um, she was 35 and her roommate 
was a 79-year-old. Okay, I did leave that out. Wow. He was stabbed in his torso, um, and inside the room of his body were two cell phones and a bloody knife. Sounds like there might have been a sugar daddy situation going on here. Yeah, but I guess she was sick of it. He wouldn't die soon enough. She also has tattoos all over her neck, and I'll post a picture of this on our Instagram. And one of them says 21 times 2 times 12. Is Wait. And then a three. It's not a two. That's a two. Uh, look at the other twos and then look at the middle one. A three has like that's not a three. Well, if it's 21 times two times twelve, then it's five oh four. So twenty-one times three times twelve is seven fifty-six. Well, that too looks different. I, either I just shared her picture in our chat, so Chris can decide. But it might be too. The twenty-one looks looks awesome. The rest of it looks like a child did it. I mean, the tw- looks like well. a girl I used to date. <laughs> <laughs> so what's her Mine name? Nicole Bull. Did she have the same tattoo? What do you think her neck says? Something about Dale's. Life? Yeah. Well, it looks so, like she likes anarchy. I don't uh, there, There's a lot going on here. Let's yeah. say it's 504. So the, the, it looks like an eight that she ran out of money and they couldn't finish. Yeah. Oh, that might be so bad at home tattoos. Or it's a three that it got jacked up. But it's still a different font, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely different, but it looks like a 2 or an S. This also can be backwards. Because uh, even the other 21 looks weird. Yeah. Yeah, but the 12... No, it's not backwards because the top one is normal. Yeah, but the, the A, like Angela said, the A and the Dales has got the anarchy symbol, so she's into that. Also looks like a, I think that's like a wire bomb. too. So it, 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 there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I need to see a full picture of this lady. Right. Nicole Mass. The shoulders tattoos Oops. look pretty interesting. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Okay, but here's my thought. I always thought Mountain Dew was kind of poisonous. Like in my mind, I'm like, oh, Mountain Dew is definitely not good for you. But do we think that it's able enough to destroy evidence? Well, see, Coke is able to like take rust off. And I feel like Mountain Dew is more acidic. I feel like that shit would take paint off. Like it's on the level of like, yeah. mineral spirits almost. You think Mountain or, Dew would be better than Coke with that? Turpentine. Oh my God, I don't know. It's some strong stuff. Yeah, mine is like turpentine. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if, it's so bad to drink. I guess you're in panic mode at that point and you're just like, I don't have enough spit and I got this Mountain Dew here and I got to get this stuff. Yeah, but there. she got the Mountain Dew from the police. Yeah. See, she probably would have been better off with just like doing her own spit because it just would have been her DNA and it really would have messed things up. If she had enough saliva. Oh, here's a different, another picture of her. 
But I mean, she's not a bad no. lady. I mean, she's an attractive lady. She's not ugly. She doesn't look hideous, you know. Some of the tattoos I could do without. They're just, I don't know. I don't get them, so I guess. So I found another picture of herself. Or she's blonde. Maybe you can actually see the tattoos better. Oh, great. Or she's blonde. Oh my god, I wish y'all, I'm going to post this video to or link to it, but I wish y'all could see this house. This house looks like somebody tried to finish it and then forgot to finish the front step. And was like, man, they'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. And it looks like half the windows were put in. And for some reason, there's like a bed frame. Oh, wait, what happened at Crystal? I think the stabbing actually also, like, she went to Crystal's after she stabbed him. For those listening that know what Crystal's is, it's like a fast food restaurant. Oh, yeah, like chicken fingers and shit, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this is entertaining. This is, this is crazy. I don't know. I just, I don't, in my head, oh, here's a picture of the house. I can send it to you. In my head, like, I don't understand. I don't think that'd be my first thought. Obviously, I probably wouldn't kill my roommate, also, because he's my husband. But, hmm. um, I don't think my first thought would be like, ooh, Mountain Dew. Also, like, wouldn't you clean yourself up before the police came? Yeah, you would. Yes. Like, you would, yeah, unless someone called the cops while, because they heard a disturbance, but it doesn't really say, like, what prompted police to go there. So, this, what's, what's the house picture? Look in the chat. That's the house that she killed him in. <laughs> well, it looks like they were trying to clean the place up. Yeah, they were trying to build stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Okay. Oh, okay. Now I, I figured out what it was. So Nicole Mask is facing charges of first degree murder, tampering with evidence, and resisting arrest with violence. Back on July 1st, officers flagged down by an individual who was telling authorities about a fire at a home. Once the firefighters made it to the scene, they discovered a male's body located in the second floor. Um, the male was the roommate. He had injuries in the back of his head, stab wounds in his chest, and obviously was pronounced dead at the scene under the bloody knife found. Investigators noted that there were two cell phones. I don't know why that matters, but one, whatever. Um, they lived at the home together. Uh, Max was not at home when those responders replied. They found her. When she was found, she reportedly had a knife and a hammer on her and wasn't wearing any shoes. Police spotted, spotted blood on her leg and saw she was bleeding from her toe. A portion of her shirt also appeared to be cut or torn. Police documented the portion of the blood. She changed her stories multiple times when questioned where she lived and said that she was, had been homeless for four years. It's also had improper grammar. Um, she reportedly told the detective she was hospitalized earlier in the day after she had a panic attack at a gym where she was running on a treadmill. How do you go from being homeless to how can you afford a gym membership if you're homeless? Right. He's all over the place. I mean, I don't know if you saw it on the other article, Amanda, but they're definitely uh, examining her to determine her mental competence. So. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so yeah, so then they were they told her they were gonna collect DNA off her and she asked if she could have a soda and they handed her the Mountain Dew and that's when she was like, Annie up, baby. Yeah, I think that 
Um, it's definitely a last resort, but wouldn't it wouldn't, wouldn't have been my first pick. I mean, even if there was nothing else in the room. What really about cool. like what if you would have chose like a monster energy drink? That would have been I feel like a lot better because all the vitamins. Yeah, I mean, I guess the goal is, is Yeah, but it's still you can Sorry, get the DNA like is that you want to confuse the DNA yeah. that's on there. So if you use more DNA, I feel like that would be more efficient than using like Mountain Dew yeah. or another well, substance besides like soap and water. DNA is so specific, like it's really hard to like to like confuse people because you can. I was been listening to the podcast about this serial killer, this woman serial killer. Mm-hmm. And um like they found all this DNA in their house. And like some of it and it would be like tiny bits. Some of it they could like put to this person or that person. Like even the tiniest amount they can like it's like your fingerprint. Like you only have one and they can be able to like match it. Mm-hmm. So I think that even if you did douse yourself in like whatever, like they could still probably find it. Um the other thing is what does that just screams guilty if you're like, can I just sit through your mountain do and throw it on yourself? Yeah. So what are you listening to the podcast about know. Eileen Warnos, Amanda? What's going on with that? Women serial killers? No, um it's called the pack and it's about um what is her name? Famous plug for a podcast. Oh, it's got, yeah, right. So it's it's interesting. It's about this woman and this man. Um, the guys, this guy named Chris Reagan is killed, and they like try to figure out like who did it. It takes place in like the Upper Peninsula. Um, and uh, Kelly Cochran is the woman that they are pretty sure killed this guy. And when they're trying to like get her and her husband to like admit to it, then she ends up killing her husband, and then she ends up telling the like court that she probably killed like twenty or thirty people. Right. Um, but they can't figure it out because she's such a good liar that she'll like tell you one thing and then tell you something else. Oh. It's really interesting. Hmm. I don't mind it. You um, said it's called the pact. The pact, P-A-C-T. Yeah. So yeah, it came up. I was listening to this other one called The Queen of Scams. And this was like suggested. So um it's not bad. I mean, she sounds crazy. But you don't really ever hear a lot about like female um, serial killers, so There's not too many. I really like was excited about kind of finding that. You know, not excited, but yeah. it's like, oh, that's interesting. So for sure. Um. Yeah. So, so who had another story? Oh, Angela, I did. Um. But this one's kind of outdated. At least Amanda's was more current, but it randomly came up on an Insta feed and I sent it to Amanda. So back in April of 2019, two Arkansas men were arrested for shooting each other while wearing bulletproof vests. Nice. Yep. So they were charged with allegedly shooting each other during a night of drinking while each man tried on a bulletproof vest, according to the Benton County Sheriff's Office. One guy, Charles Eugene, Eugene Ferris was 50 and Christopher Hicks was 36. 
were arrested. So those were the two individuals for felony felony aggravated assault. Um, Ferris went to the hospital where they say he invented a story to cover for Hicks. Uh, Ferris said he was hired to protect an asset who paid him $200 to follow him into the woods at Hobbs State Park, according to a probable cause affidavit. Ferris said the pair went out in the woods and met another man around 11 or 10 p.m. The man approached Ferris's assets when a gunfight broke out. Ferris said he was struck six times, but also managed to return fire before driving off with the asset, according to the affidavit. He also said the asset dropped him off at his vehicle before he dumped his weapons and drove himself to Mercy Hospital. Wow. However, Ferris's wife... Um, what's up? It just sounds—it sounds kind of like a duel, like you know, back in the old days, and they'd be like, "How dare you upset me and smack you with my white glove? We shall have a duel." Like I feel like it was that, but it was like the redneck version of that. So it was like, "I'm gonna dare you to duel me," that's a- and he was like, "All right, you got a beer." And that's what I feel like happened. What state was it in? Arkansas. Okay. Arkansas. I was not off with not the redneck. Yeah. Not at all. Um, but. So Ferris's wife arrived at the hospital a short time later, telling investigators that her husband and Hicks shot each other while drinking on the back porch of their home in in Deer Run on Deer Run Lane in Rogers, Arkansas. Yeah. Wait, wait, so the whole story of meeting each other in the woods was a lie? Yes, his asset, his fake asset. Wife didn't didn't include the wife in the uh cover story there. <laughs> no, the wife is sick of his bullshit, yeah, right? She is so sick of it. <laughs> She's like, let him let him lose his leg. Don't take the boiler out or wherever it hit. I'm sick of his BS and I'm filing for a divorce because this is so stupid. <laughs> yep. So That's he, Ferris uh, later recanted his initial story to deputies saying he made it up to keep Hicks from getting in trouble, according to the affidavit. Ferris was wearing the vest when he asked Hicks to shoot him with a 22 caliber semi-automatic rifle. The vest stopped the bullet but still hurt and left a mark on his chest. Ferris became... Yeah! Oh, this is where it gets better. <laughs> Ferris became pissed because he was hurting from the shot and unloaded a clip onto Christopher's back after Hicks put the vest on. <laughs> it was his idea! And Hicks only suffered bruising from the gunshot. Oh. <laughs> Oh my goodness. You know what the sad part is? is these people aren't even going to learn their lesson. No. They're going to be like, I didn't die. I was fine. Let's do that again. That was fun. Randall, let's drink some more. <laughs> Ferris said he told initially told his wife he was fine after the shooting, but complained about the pain. So she told him to go to the hospital. Um, they were both... Per- she didn't even go with them. No. She was no, just remember, like... She showed up a short yeah. time after. So she made him drive to the hospital by himself. Yeah, that's great. Um, that's my kind of wife. What's even better is that they were free on five thousand dollar bonds. The judge oh, issued a yeah. no contact oh, wait. between them. They had a hearing set for May third in circuit court. Um, but what would be the charges? Would it be like aggravated it's a, assault? Yeah, <laughs> it said aggravated assault, and they said it says in Arkansas. Class D felonies are punishable up to six years in prison with the maximum fine of $10,000. From the story. I'll have to find a follow up oh. later. See what actually occurred. 
I was going to say, because from the story, I th- it's that, to me, it sounds like only one should be charged with aggravated assault, the one that shot the one in the back. Right. The other one yeah, that's what I was did what he was requested. Mm. Holy yeah, God. like, that's what I, I was like. Can they just say, like, can they both just call it done and, like, move on? Or is it now too big? Like, I the think police it's too big. Because with the story, mm-hmm. it, 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 I think that's what took it to aggravated assault. Mm. But I don't know. Crazy stuff. That is, that's the kind of shit that happens in Arkansas. And, like, no offense to our Arkansasian Arkansalian listeners, but like truly that explains when I think of Arkansas, that is what I think of. <laughs> like I think of people sitting on their porch, drinking a beer, saying, you know what I think would be a really good idea right now? We should insert whatever you want to insert there. Go shoot ourselves or yeah. So I found a follow-up article from August of 2020. Oh, good. Where the charges were dropped. Oh, okay. Um, so Christopher Hicks, the 36-year-old, was apparently wrongfully arrested for shooting Pitt or Ferris because he repeatedly told the deputies he never pulled the trigger. Wait, what? Yes. Yeah. Say that again. I need you to say that again for me, please. Uh, he Hicks said he was wrongfully arrested for shooting a friend wearing a bullet resistant vest, even though he repeatedly told deputies he never pulled the trigger. Oh, got it. So he was charged with aggravated assault. Um, and then they earlier that the previous week, the prosecutors dismissed the felony charge. They said uh, Charles Eugene Ferris, the 51-year-old of Rogers and Hicks were arrested in March of 2019 after deputies believed <laughs> they both were shot. They both shot each other while wearing bullet-resistant vests, according to the court docs. Obviously, it can, you know, <laughs> it gained, you know, national attention after the arrest. Hicks said, my name was dragged in the mud and I'm considered King Redneck. I mean, rightfully so, yeah. <laughs> um, so Ferris admitted to shooting himself while wearing the vest, and prosecutors dismissed the case. What I don't understand, well, it's a lot of things, but one of the things I'd like to point out, why Christopher, not this Christopher, Christopher is 25, 36, What? I thought you said he was 25. Mm-mm. Did I hear that wrong? 36. Oh, he's the same age as my Christopher. Okay. And already 30, yeah. And the other guy, Charlie, was 56? 50. Okay. Good 14 years. Man, the things that happen in Arkansas. No. Remind me nowhere to go there. Wow. 
Oh, I don't. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm glad they're both okay. Yeah. Um. So apparently, Ferris's wife apparently told deputies that he shot himself as well. Later. <laughs> in the back. No. In the front, where, where he got hit in the chest. Oh, I thought one of the other. How guy do you shoot that yourself that? in the front? I don't know. Wow. Yeah. So the affidavit from March 31st, 2019 said Ferris said he was shot six times, once in the chest and five times in the back while protecting a man he called his assets. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start calling people that. Chloe, you're my asset. (laughs) She said no, thank you. Not into that. I'd rather not. All right. Well, I guess we can go ahead and slide into Operation High Jump. Let's, ha- let's jump right into it. Let's jump right into it. Take a big old leap. So, Operation High Jump occurred from August 1946 to late February 1947. So, this is the largest naval task force ever to go ahead to Antarctica. They've been to Antarctica three times before this, at least Admiral Byrd has. But this one is the most important and the most, um, most amount of people, most amount of ships and everything. So, they had 13 ships, 23 aircraft, and 4,700 men. So keep in mind, Antarctica is larger than both the continental U.S. and Europe combined. Um, So this is a huge continent. It's a pretty neat continent. It's uh, mostly ice, of course, as we all know. But there actually is landmass underneath of it. And they believe that it's most of it's turned to like rock. So it's like solid rock from the pressure from the miles of ice that's on top of it. Uh, So I thought that was pretty interesting when I was doing the research um, that I discovered. So um, Admiral Richard B. Byrd uh, led the fleet during this operation. And as I said, he's been there um, three times before this, but this one's the most uh, memorable. Um, So high jumps public objectives, according to the U.S. Naval report on this operation were to train personnel and test equipment in frigid conditions. Um, This is plausible. You know, all these are plausible, but I definitely think there was a a hidden mission as well. But um, this is plausible because it was, you know, the things with the Soviet Union were heating up as this is at the conclusion of World War II. So I think, uh, you know, this makes sense that they're prepping to fight in Siberia and things like that. They want to test some equipment. Um, Their next... Uh, objective is to consolidate and extend the United States sovereignty over the largest um, parsitable area of the Antarctic continent. Um, 
but it was publicly denied as a goal before back in 1947 because this was extremely publicized that this event was taking place. Um, there were several, like, you know, Admiral Byrd was doing the talk show circuit, going on talk shows and talking about his other expeditions and what he planned to do on this expedition. So it was, this wasn't like a, a secret mission per se, the, the, the Operation High Jump itself, but it was, this, I think it was a secret what they were going there for completely. Um, so their third objective was to determine the feasibility of establishing, maintaining, and utilizing bases in the Antarctic and investigating possible base sites. So at the time, they already had a piece of land that they were calling Little America, um, but they were looking to establish more of a present there, presence there. Their also, uh, fourth objective was going to be to develop techniques for establishing, maintaining, and utilizing air bases on ice. Um, particular attention to uh, later applic applicability of such techniques to operations in interior Greenland where conditions are comparable to those in Antarctic. And of course, this would have put them in a prime position if, you know, a good leaping point if there was something to take off with uh, Antarctica. I'm sorry, with um, Russia. Soviet Union. The fifth is apply, uh, amplifying existing stores of knowledge of electromagnetic, geological, geographic, and hydrographic and meteorological um, conditions in the area. So kind of just do a scientific investigation of the area. So although these were the publicized goals, I believe, and many others believe, that they had other goals in mind as well. So they could accomplish all those goals while doing what I think their main mission was. Um, so America had hoped, like I said, to extend, extend its sovereignty over in Antarctica. And they also wanted to investigate reports of a secret Nazi base that was left over for World War II. Um, so that apparently after World War II, there was reports of submarines um, going into, you know, the U-boats going into um, Antarctica during the war. Um, there's even a report of uh, good old Hitler making his way to uh, South America and then hopping on a U-boat and heading down to Antarctica as well. So I definitely feel that it's definitely a possibility, if not to look for Hitler specifically, but it could be to look for all Nazis. Because um, you got to remember, it's not like it was now with uh, communication where you know, you tell them, hey, the war's over and everybody clears out or gives up. It's definitely possible that the people in Antarctica had no idea that the war was even over. Or they could have been, you know, plotting the, the Fourth Reich from Antarctica and the U.S. wanted to go and kind of clear that out. There also had been many reports. Um, a secret weapon had been developed by the Nazis and they were using Antarctica to develop it. Um, there had been from fishermen and things like that. There was many reports of flying saucers, you know, flying around that type of area. Um, so I think, I think, like I said, that that was their main mission and they were these other five objectives they were going to accomplish while doing that. Um, cause they could definitely accomplish all of them simultaneously. So I did find, which I didn't know this. I was surprised I didn't know this to this extent, but apparently either is a strange ritual that that sh ships do like naval ships fishing ships, and pretty much all ships it's just a, a naval thing that people do when you cross over the um, prime meridian or the equator Are you guys familiar with this nope so there's a video and it's it's an old video 
Um, but it goes through of what they did as like this ritual uh, when when Admiral Byrd's fleet crossed over the Prime Meridian. Let me go ahead and share this. I, I've I've heard of it, so I don't want to say that I've never heard of it, but I didn't know that it it, it like went to this level basically like i didn't realize that they did all this stuff all right so hopefully you guys hear it too here we go with the mount olympus now heading south in the pacific admiral cruisen gives a traditional command and up goes a strange flag the jolly roger signifying the crossing of the equator and authorizing the ancient shenanigans of the sea whereby all land lovers are painfully presented at king neptune's court the veteran shellbacks copperplate the polywogs interiors with a mixture of cylinder oil and chewing tobacco. Next, the polywogs must kiss the bosun's belly, the only kiss they'll have for many a long month. They wind up with a dunking and the final whacking to warm them up, officers and men alike. Wearing the whiskers of Neptunus Caninus, Ricky, the veteran husky, presides as the pups become doggy shellbacks. So apparently they do this and they become shellbacks. So basically it's it's signifying them crossing into the lower half of the the world. But they were, I mean... Why are there dogs on the ship? Oh, there was a lot of dogs on the ship because they used dog sleds to get around once they were on the interior. Right, because so they're around yeah, because there, there's a, but those weren't dogs, those weren't huskies. And they, in, in earlier in that video, because um, there's like a whole old video, it's called The Secret Land. It's a YouTube video, but it's, it's from like something they showed the public after the expedition. And it kind of goes through the whole like mission, basically. Um, but, you know, the public side of the mission. So they, uh, I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff going on there. I mean, they were smacking each other on the ass in their underwear. They were going up to the boatswain and and kissing his belly, and that dude's belly looked filthy. And it wasn't just like hairy or anything else. There was some kind of like weird sheen on that dude's belly that is gross. Like it, it, it was gross. <laughs> like kissing like a dirty Buddha. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, the boatswain, you know, the boatswain is you know a, a supervisor of the deck people on the ship. So for those that don't know that, um. <laughs> And then the, uh, you know, the Duncan in the waters, you know, I get that. The, the flying the Jolly Roger flag, the pirate flag, I get that. Just the the smacking each other in the ass. And then they were using, what did they say? Cylinder oil and tobacco? Some kind of lick. Yeah, I was confused. Like, did they make people lay down and they like put that in their mouth? Yeah, and I don't know if they swallowed it or, or if they spit it out. Like, I don't know what cylinder oil is isn't it do you know what cylinder oil is no it looked like they were just like cadavers though because they weren't moving when it was happening yeah no it was real people oh my god so cylinder oil oh that was just it's just oil like car oil that's what cylinder oil is is like car oil i just googled it and it's basically like like, part. I realize so I've been talking to y'all. Can you hear me? Okay. okay. Hmm. Yeah. So, so they, they were feeling good then. They were. Yeah. 
They basically that, drugged themselves with oil and tobacco. Yeah. What were you saying, Amanda? So it's called the Equator, Equ- Ecuadorial Baptism. Yeah. And it's a ceremony explained to an initiation to the court of King Neptune. Right, right. It's like a cool. line crossing ceremony. It's pretty cool. I mean, I, I get the, 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 the ceremony <laughs> side of it. I just, you know, and of course, there's going to be some weird stuff on it from people adding on to it and making it more like silly because of what it is, you know. I mean, I thought, they put yeah, a wig on the husky, so that was a little silly. Yeah. Well, not all the time. It also looks like sometimes Neptune is like a person. It's well, chosen as Neptune. Well, I, I, that's why I had to watch it twice to figure it out. But there, so there is somebody that's the the captain of the ship, or the whoever's the lead of the ship. They play King Neptune, but they did it for the dogs. <laughs> they had their own King Neptune, so it was basically like two different rituals going on at the same time. So they did the human and then the dog got it. Yeah, yeah. It was like two different rituals going on at the same time. So uh, it took me twice watching it to, to get that. But yeah. And then they were dunking. You know what? I get that. The whole dunking in the tub. That's kind of cool. I get that. It's supposed to simulate them being dunked in the water. Um, so it's it's pretty fascinating. So that's kind of the... I mean, there's more to the legit side of Admiral Burns. Oh my God. Each country has their own thing. And apparently in Australia... They have a ceremony where physically and verbally abused before being substituted at called Thump of Marump, where dark liquid was daubed over each sailor's anus and genitalia, and they were sexually assaulted by a long stick before the sailor undergo the ceremony to first jump over and spread water. See? I didn't realize different countries That's- had different ones, but see, everybody had some weird shit to that. I mean, jamming broomsticks up butts? Yeah, well, I was gonna ask if like they just did a whole orgy since they were hopped up on oil. Yeah, I mean they were at, get them like, all lubed up inside and out. Does, wait, <laughs> does oil make you high? I would think there's it's got yeah, I would think a hallucinate or something. I mean, and then the tobacco. I mean, it has tobacco in it too, and tobacco gives you a euphoria. Oh yeah, that too. Will. So I mean, it's like I said, it's it's pretty wild. Today, they don't do it as much. It's just like a two-day event. Um, and it doesn't seem like it's as like intense. Yeah, and they still that's, do it. just that's crazy. a two-day event? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and they also get tattoos. Yep. Yep. The tattoos. Yep. Yep. Hmm. So, there was, you know, there's more to the legit side of the Admiral Bird and Operation High Jump Expedition. Um, but I kind of wanted to go the other way with it, of course, the conspiratorial side. So the, the way it went is after Admiral Byrd died, his son discovered a diary of his. Now, there's some contention of whether the diary was legit or if it's something that somebody fabricated to fit the story that people talk about. Um, it doesn't really talk about the the Nazi side as much, um, a little bit, but it kind of goes through his day-to-day events that occurred um, during when he flew through the interior of Antarctica once he got there. And see, his crew, a large chunk of the crew, actually headed to Antarctica a few days before he did, and then he came out and, you know, joined the fleet. So 
it didn't really say why so much he held back. I think that might be a common thing with the admirals that they just let the fleet at that time, at least let the fleet do all the heavy lifting and, you know, they come out and meet them at the time, but they, I mean, they lost a lot of equipment. They hit a nasty storm on the way out and lost some equipment and a couple of planes slid off the ships and everything else. So, um, the, the diary was found. And like I said, it's, it's titled the inner earth, my secret diary. So apparently they put it as that it was some secret diary that he had and he was forced, you know, not to release it and talk about it. And there is an interesting, um, kind of tidbit is that when he, cause they, they went to South America and then from South America, they went on the expedition to Antarctica. And when they came back, they did the same thing. They went to Antarctica. I could, I tried so hard. I've heard so many people talk about it, but there is some interview that Admiral Byrd um, gave when he got to back to um, South America regarding what he saw um, in Antarctica. And it's pretty, uh, pretty fascinating what I've heard about it, but I haven't, I wasn't able really to find like a recording of it, but he talks about new lands and, um, you know, encountering some craft or something and talking about a war is going to be fought over that side of the world. I mean, it was very cryptic, but it really led to the whole, um, conspiratorial side um of that mission so it's it's so anyway the i'm just going to go through and read some tidbits from the diary um and then we'll we could talk about it as we go through so it starts off i must write this diary in secrecy secrecy and obscurity it concerns my antarctic flight of the 19th day of february in the year of 1947 there comes a time when the rationality of men must fade into insignificance and one must accept the inevitability of the truth. I am not at liberty to disclose the following documentation at this writing. Perhaps it shall never see the light of public scrutiny, but I must do my duty and I record here for all to read one day in a world of greed and exploitation of certainty of certain of mankind can no longer suppress that which is the truth. So here's this, this is the flight log. So 0600 hours, all preparation are complete for flight northward. And we are airborne with fuel, fuel tanks at 0610 hours. Uh, so the rest goes through where he checks in with base camp at 0815, checks in with base camp 0830. He encounters some turbulence. Um, and he increases altitude and he moves the flight out. 0910, vast ice and snow below, no coloration of yellowish nature. And um, disper- dispersion in a linear, linear pattern is going to alter course and a better examination of this color pattern. 0910, both magnetic and gyro compasses begin to gyrate and wobble. We are unable to hold our heading by instrumentation. So take bearing with the sun compass, it all seems well. So they kind of ran into a point where they were struggling to navigate because, of course, you know, if you believe in the globe Earth, that the magnetic stuff shifts when you get closer to the poles. So, um, so 089 or 0915 hours in the distance, they appear to see mountains. Uh, 0949 hours, 29 minutes elapsed flight time from the first sighting of the mountains. It is no illusion. They are mountains and consist of small range. 
that I have never seen before. Uh, they increase the altitude at 0955 hours and they encounter some more turbulence. Um, over 1000 hours, they cross over the mountain range. Um, so 010 or 1030 hours encountering uh, rolling green hills. So at this point, they're encountering rolling green hills. So the ice kind of stops. Um, and the external temperature indicates 74 degrees Fahrenheit. So it jumps up. It's in Antarctic conditions. And then, oh, wait a minute. God damn it. I, sk you I skipped, skipped over something. Big time. So we'll jump back. So I did a 10 on our hours. So 10.05 hours. I alter altitude to 1,400 feet and execute a sharp left turn to better examine the valley below. So this is a, the mountain range that he'd saw, seen. Uh, it is green with either moss or a type of tight-knit grass. The light here seems different. I cannot see the sun anymore. We make another left turn and we spot what seems to be a large animal of some kind below. It appears to be an elephant. No, it looks more like a mammoth. This is incredible, yet there it is. Decrease altitude to 1,000 feet and take binoculars to better examine the animal. It is confirmed it is definitely a mammoth-like animal. Report this to base camp. So at 10.30 hours, encountering more rolling green hills, the external temperature indicates 74 degrees Fahrenheit. So they continue their heading. Uh, the navigation instruments seem normal now. So they're now gaining you know, normal operation of their instruments to navigate by. Um, he is still puzzled about them acting funny. I guess at that time, they didn't know that the magnetic shift and everything. So 11.30 hours, countryside below is more level and normal if I may use that word, ahead we spot what seems to be a city. This is impossible. Aircraft seems light and oddly buoyant. The controls refuse to respond. My God, off our port and starboard wings are a strange type of aircraft. They're closing rapidly alongside. They are disc-shaped and have a radiant quality to them. They're close enough to see the markings. It is a type of swastika. Nazis. Uh, this is fantastic. Where? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. This is fantastic. Where are we? What has happened? I tug on the controls again. They Wait, why is this fantastic? I don't know. I don't know why this is. Is he a Nazi? No, I think, think he had a Or is he just like. I think. Like, would it be fantastic? Like, you and I would be like, wow, this is awesome. And also, we're in danger. Well, I think it's, I mean, if I'm seeing out my starboard port side, air, uh, um, this shaped crafts, I think I would be saying this is fantastic too, to not lie. Once I see that there's swastika on them, that's going to change the, the mood of things for sure. But that's when the, oh no, I'm in danger comes up. Not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. All well, right. So let, maybe it's fantastic because he's at like the, opposite pole and it's cold and he's seeing green Nazis well yes. the Nazis part like the whole yeah. it's not frozen <laughs> yeah that's what I think too I don't think, oh, okay. I think it was just bad timing of where he wrote this is fantastic yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> Sure, 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 sure. So at 11.35 hours, our radio crackles and a voice comes through in English and what happens to, or uh, what perhaps is... And the voice says, Hello, <laughs> would you like some snitches and apple strudel? <laughs> Hello. Apple strudel? Oh, hello. 
Mm, that appetizer will be so good. Yeah, right. So I can love that. I do too, especially with some ice cream and all ice cream. Oh man. Oh yeah. So the voice comes through in English with what perhaps is a slight Nordic or Germanic accent. Dun dun dun. I killed it. I killed it. The message is, <laughs> "Welcome, Admiral, to our domain." Welcome, Admiral, to our domain. We shall land you in exactly seven minutes. Relax, Admiral. We, we shall land you in seven minutes. Relax. You are in good hands. I note the engines of your plane have stopped running. The aircraft is under some strange control and is now turning itself. The controls are useless. So the radio... The, you are in good hands. Oh. Unless you are in good so the Nazis. The Nazis were the first all state. You're in good hands. Yes, yes. <laughs> da, da. So oh, the aircraft is completely turned off now and is not running at all. It's kind of flying on its own, and they're seem well, to be they seem to be controlling the craft. So at eleven forty hours, five minutes have passed. Another radio message is received. Uh, we begin the landing process now, and in moments, the plane shudders slightly and begins a descent. As though caught in some great unseen elevator, the downward motion is negligible, and we touch down with only a slight jolt. Eleven forty-five. I'm making a hasty, hasty last entry in the flight log. Several men are approaching on foot toward our aircraft. They are tall with blonde hair. In the distance is a large, shimmering city, pulsating with rainbow hues of color. I do not know what is going to happen now, but I see no signs of weapons on those approaching. I hear now a voice ordering me by name to open the cargo door. I comply and log. When he opens the cargo door, they go, we wish to welcome you to Nazi land. Nazi land, Nazi land. Come hang with us in Nazi land. Here on a Nazi Wait, so is that the end of that day in the journal entry? Well, from so from this point forward, he writes that I write all the following events here from memory. It defies the imagination. It would seem all but madness if it not happened. So pretty much all of this is no longer a log. It's written by memory. Like so, after okay. he got back. So he was writing lifetime, basically. Like, yes, up until that point. What, uh, what is <laughs> Can you imagine being on the ship and they're like, hey, Admiral, or the whatever, the plane. They're like, um, Captain, Captain. He's like, I am busy. Writing my stories, <laughs> so I'm gonna need you to figure out what's happening. <laughs> and they're like, "Um, Captain, Captain." He's like, "I don't have time. I'm writing my stories." One day, three assholes from Maryland are going to talk about me on a podcast, and I need to make sure they know what my stories are. Right. And they're going to be the best, best assholes to cover this story. Yes. <laughs> like he's like has his like furry pen. <laughs> Yeah, right. I have to write that. Feather quill. Yeah. So the radio man. And they're like, I don't know why he's in a fellow quill because it's 1947 and we have pens. He's like, ah, it's authentic. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. So the radio men and I are taken from the aircraft and we are received in a most cordial manner. We were then boarded on a small platform like conveyance with no wheels. It moves us toward the glowing city with great swiftness. As we approach, the city seems to be made of crystal material. Soon we arrive at a large building that is type that is a type I've never seen before. It appears to be right out of a design board of Frank Lloyd Wright 
or perhaps more correctly out of a Buck Rogers setting. So Buck Rogers, I do know, um, is more like a science fiction. I know Frank Lloyd Wright. Oh, you do? Oh, so that's good. So Buck Rogers kind of science fiction of that era. Um, Who's Frank Frank Lloyd Wright? He's a very well-known architecture that was huge during like mid-century well it's now mid-century modern but at the time it was like mid-century yeah amanda lived in the freak lloyd wright building when she went to college at oh. uh, southern florida so it's a lot of like uh well that was yeah when i was in grad school yeah. um oh well there you go yeah um florida southern is uh all all frank lloyd wright built and he it was very short and so he was very uh I don't know what the term is when you're like anti-tall people. Napoleon? Like what's... Yeah, he had a Napoleon complex. Apparently he was a dick. But I guess the, the Germans liked him. He really liked nature too, which is kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, he liked clean lines yeah. and nature and like, yeah. Yeah. I think his stuff was nice. It's just not like... He apparently wasn't like the nicest. Yeah, oh, he started okay. that whole. We've also been a fully, fully So once they arrive, they're given some type of warm beverage that tasted like nothing I've ever savored before. It is delicious. Uh, it was apple strudel mixed with some very warm cow milk. Schnapps. With a heat ice cream. We like to call it the apple strudel shake. <laughs> you can get the shake that now. So after about 10 minutes, two of our wondrous appearing hosts come to our quarters and announce that I am to accompany them. Um, of course, he has no choice to comply. I leave my radio behind and we walk a short distance and enter into what seems to be an elevator. So they just uh, descend downward for some moments. The machine stops and the door lifts slightly upward. We then proceed down a long hallway that is lit by a rose-colored light that seems to be emanating from the very walls themselves. Uh, one of the beings motions for us to stop before a great door. Over the door is an inscription that I cannot read. The great door slides noiselessly open, and I am beckoned to enter. One of my hosts speaks. Have no fear, Admiral. You are to have an audience with the master. Hmm. Have no fear, Admiral. You are to go to audience with the master. <laughs> Now, before you do that, there's a couple of things we have to do. It, it's very, it's very, very easy. First, I'm going to need you to raise right hand very high with fingers pointed to the sky and repeat after me. Hey, look. Uh, good job. Good job. Now, we're going to bleach that hair blonde and we're going to put contacts in because Nasa doesn't like to look at people that look like him. <laughs> I step inside. My eyes adjust to the beautiful coloration that seems to be filling the room completely. Then I begin to see my surroundings. What greeted my eyes is the most beautiful sight of my entire existence. It is, in fact, too beautiful and wondrous to describe. It is exquisite and delicate. I do not think there exists a human term that can describe it in any detail with justice. My thoughts are interrupted in a cordial manner by a warm, rich voice of melodious quality. I bid you welcome to our domain, Admiral. I see a man with delicate features and with etching of years upon his face. He is seated at a long table. He motions me to sit down in one of the chairs. After I'm seated, he places his fingertips together and smiles. He speaks softly again and conveys the following. We have let you enter here because you are a noble character and well-known on the surface world, Admiral. 
Surface world, I gasp under my breath. Yes, the master replies with a smile. You are in the domain of the Ariani, the inner world of Earth. We shall no longer delay your mission, and you'll be safely escorted back to the surface and for a distance beyond. But now, Admiral, I should tell you why you've been summoned here. Our interest rightly begins just after your race exploded its first atomic bomb over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan. It was at that alarming time we sent our flying machines, the Fluger, Flugelrads, to your surface world to investigate what your race had done. That is, of course, past history now, my dear Admiral, but I must continue on. You see, we have never interfered before in your race's wars and barbarity, but now we must. We have learned to tamper with a certain power that is not for man, namely that, uh, that of atomic energy. Our emissaries had already delivered messages to the powers of your world, and yet they do not heed. Now you have been chosen to be the witness here that our world does exist. You see our culture and science as many thousands of years beyond your race, Admiral, I interrupted. But what does this have to do with me, sir? The master's eyes seemed to penetrate deeply into my mind, and after studying me for a few moments, he replied, Your race has now reached a point of no return. For there are those among you who would destroy your very world rather than relinquish their powers as they know it. I nodded, and the master continued. In 1945 and afterward, we tried to contact your race, but our efforts were met with hostility. Our flugelreds were fired upon. Yes, even pursued with malice and animosity by your fighter planes. So now I say to you, my son, there is a great storm gathering in your world. A black flurry, sorry, a back black fury that will not spend itself for many years there will be no answer global warming <laughs> there will no, be no answer in your arms there will be no safety in your science it may rage on until every flower on your culture is trampled and all the human things are leveled in vast chaos your recent war was only a prelude of what is yet to come for your race we here see it more clearly with each hour do you say i am mistaken um, so I, I, this kind of makes sense. I mean, you think about it, you think about the, the increase of the alien talk these days and the talks of, you know, the, the craziness of war that's going on. I mean, I kind of see this as, you know, definitely possible that, you know, it, it could have occurred, uh, especially as it goes on. I have like seven questions. Let's well, let them out. Let's get them done. Uh, I don't like to get seven, but I don't understand. So wait. So these people are not actually like Nazis from Germany. They're actually like, like aliens. So they describe them as Nordic beings. Or a different race. Yes, they're Nordic beings. And let me see if I can give you a decent um, example of what the Nordic race. Um, blonde hair, blue eyes. Tall. Yeah, it's tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. Here's like a. Um, um, I mean, according to Wikipedia, uh, according to uh, ancestry, I'm a part of the Nordic race, and I am Nettelmer blonde. Yeah, I, I well, I am as well. And um, are you all tall and blonde? So here, I just posted a picture of what they kind of look like. Kind of look like uh, what's that guy that used to do the hair commercials? Um, Fabio. 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 Yeah, kind of has a Fabio vibe going. But they're apparently really. Oh my tall. god! What if Fabio is one of them? It could be. And he like escaped 
and they were like, eh, he's the dumbest of us all. And he like becomes a big deal in America. It does look like that Skarsgård guy. Yeah. yeah. So they kind of have that that kind of vibe going. Um, but definitely taller and um, you know, tall and thin, like long legged almost. So why do they want to live here? Well, it's not that they don't want they want to live here, but with us exploding these nuclear things, not only is it science according to them that we shouldn't be trifling with, mm-hmm. but you think about it, if they're living on the inner earth and we have the power to have that kind of explosion, I mean, we could blast a whole you know, in the bottom of the ocean or somewhere that could cause to go into the inner earth and flood their area with water from the surface or cause a breach that would ruin their, um, you know, atmosphere or whatever it could be, you know? So they're kind of like the elves in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I guess so. Now, Angela, your face was made me feel like you were like, what? What? That's a far stretch there, Davis. You mean... Of all the references, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I've been like on a Lord of the Rings kick, which I know is shocking because I don't like it. It's like there's nothing else on TV because the damn writer strike. Really? There wasn't a Harry Potter marathon this weekend? Oh, I got that on like four channels on yeah, demand. Exactly. I got it on Max. I got it on Hulu. I got it. I own it. I got it on Apple TV. And I got it on Peacock. So I don't got to worry about Harry Potter. But sometimes you want to watch something else and I refuse to watch Twilight. Isn't that coming off of Amazon, though? Yeah, but it's on Peacock. So, so the master turns to him and says, you, my son, are to return to the surface world with this message. Um, With these closing words, our meeting seemed to end. I stood for a moment as in a dream, but yet I knew this was reality. And for some strange reason, I bowed slightly, either out of respect or humility. I do not know which. Suddenly, I was again aware that the two beautiful hosts who had brought me here were again at my side. This way, Admiral, motion one. I turned once more before leaving and looked back toward the master. A gentle smile was etched on his delicate and ancient face. Farewell, my son, he spoke. Then he gestured with a lovely slender hand and motion of peace. And our meeting was truly ended. Quickly, we walked back through the great door of the master's chamber and once again entered into the elevator. Door slid slightly downward and we were at once going upward. Uh, one of my hosts spoke again. We must make with haste. Admiral, the master des- desires to delay you no longer on your scheduled timetable and you must return with this message to your race. Um, I said nothing. It was almost beyond belief. And once again, my thoughts were interrupted as we stopped. I entered the room. It was once again with my radioman. Uh, he had an anxious expression on his face. As I approached, I said, is it all, is it all right, Howie? It's all right. The two beings motioned for us toward the awaiting conveyance we boarded and soon arrived back at the aircraft the engines were idling and we boarded immediately the whole atmosphere seemed charged now with certain air of urgency after the cargo door was closed the aircraft was immediately lifted by the unseen force until we reached an altitude of 2700 feet two of the aircraft were alongside for some distance guiding us on a return way i must state here the airspeed indicator registered no reading yet we were moving along at a very rapid rate. So, seem to be some anti-gravity things going on, and they're able to cause any craft to do that, even a craft that's not equipped with anti-gravity. Um, so, at 0215 hours, a radio message comes through. We are leaving you now, Admiral. Your controls are free. Alf Wiedersehen. We watched for a moment, and the Flugerads 
disappeared into the pale blue sky. The aircraft suddenly felt as though it caught in a sharp downward draft for a moment. We quickly quickly recovered control. Uh, we do not speak for some time. Each man has his thoughts. Entry in flight log continues. So at 0220, we're again over vast areas of ice and snow, approximately 27 minutes from base camp. We radio them. They respond. Report all conditions normal. Base camp expresses relief at our reestablishment of contact. At 0300 hours, we land smoothly at base camp. I have a mission. I don't know. Um, so March 11th, 1947, I just wait, attended. Wait, 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 oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from a little, like 1030 to three, he's with yeah. the beans. Um, well, it's a 1030 when he met with them. No, 1145. Okay. So for basically three hours still. Yeah, with yeah them, a little over and there's three no hours. radio contact to base camp. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they those planes. I'm trying to think. They could probably do that. I mean, they could also assume as well, and it depends on. It, he doesn't really say how he spun the story, but he, you know, they could have landed and and stopped for a bit if they saw a spot to land. I mean, if, I think at that point they were just happy that they were able to return. Um, I guess it's. I mean, it's plausible at three hours, and I'm not sure. It doesn't say like what their original last time. Like, oh, thank God, we stopped writing. I can finally use the space again to get back to our checkers game. Like, they weren't worried. Yeah, I don't think they were worried. I mean, three hours is within within realm of a flight for that type of aircraft. They like turned on the Will Rogers and like listened to that story, and they were like, finally a break from this guy. We have to hear one more daily entry about his poops. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done, Reginald. I'm leaving. I don't care how cold it is outside. So at this point, he goes back. They end up actually... See, there's another part of this story. This is the story that was found after the journal was found. But then there's another story that goes for this, that there's no diary attached to. It's just word of mouth that apparently... They got into some sort of battle with these beings and they were forced to abandon their Antarctic mission early because they were set to be out for a certain amount of time and they ended up coming back like two months early. And at one time they said because they were ran out because of a battle with these ships and they lost a, uh, you know, a ship or two. So there's, there's mixed uh, stories behind that. Um, but this one actually has not that somebody couldn't have fabricated this journal. I don't want the listeners to think that I, I don't definitely think that's possible, but, um, I, I think this one fits more because I wasn't able to find anything about any kind of the, any of the ships that they didn't come back with. I know they lost some of the planes during the, the travel and stuff like that, which I can buy that, but them actually losing ships, like with a battle with the Flugorad. You know, I, I don't think that's a, that happened, but apparently uh, one of the stories says that there was some kind of fight with beings. Um, and I think it goes off that Chile inter or that South American interview where he says he encountered some crafts and the fight's going to be over, you know, Antarctica and, and things like that. Um, so this entry is from March 11th, 1947, after they had returned from the Antarctic mission. Um, so I have attended a staff meeting at the Pentagon. I stated fully my discovery and the message from the master. 
All is duly recorded. The president has been advised. I am now detained for several hours, six hours, 39 minutes to be exact. I'm interviewed intently by top security forces and a medical team. It was an ordeal. I am placed under the strict control via the national security provisions of the United States of America. I'm ordered to remain silent in regard to all that I've learned on the behalf of humanity. Incredible. I'm reminded that I'm a military man and I must obey orders. So basically they shut down the whole thing and said, do not speak about anything that you encountered during that mission. And he kind of does. I mean, he kind of, after that mission, he, for the most part, he kind of falls off the face of the earth for lack of better words, no pun intended. I mean, he kind of was in the spotlight going on TV and stuff, talking about his mission. And he was a very famous, you know, admiral. Um, he was one of the youngest admirals to uh, take a fleet. And I mean, he was just kind of, fell off after this. So his final entry takes place several years after the last entry. Um, it's uh, the 30th of December, 1956. So these last few years elapsed since 1947 have not been kind. I now make my final entry in this singular diary. In closing, I must state that I am faithfully kept this matter secret as directed all these years. I've been completely against my vet. It has been completely against my values of moral rights. Now I seem to sense the long night coming on and the secret will now die, not die with me. But as all truth shall, it will triumph and so it shall. This can be only the hope for mankind. I've seen the truth and has quickened my spirit and has set me free. I have done my duty toward the monstrous military industrial complex. Now the long night begins to approach, but there shall be no end. Just as a long night of the Antarctic ends, the brilliant sunshine of truth shall come again, and those who are of darkness shall fight in its light. For I have seen that the land beyond the pole, that center of the great unknown. So that is large excerpt from the diary. And I don't know, I kind of I kind of buy it. I mean, it it is kind of weird how I mean it's an easy story to fabricate, but it kind of the pieces somewhat fit. It somewhat fits that the, the Nazis were heavily exploring that area even before World War II began. Um, I get that it's a very, very large continent that if anybody looking to take real estate or land masses would be, you know, hot to take because it's a, like I said, a very large area. Um, and it's possible that, you know, the Nazis did find something down there. I also buy that it's possible because of how secure that it's kept now. I mean, if you are able to get permission to go there. Oh, first off, let me say this. So Antarctica is the only time that pretty much all the countries in the world were able to agree upon to sign a treaty regarding. Did you know that? That is interesting. So it's the only continent they agreed to sign a treaty on? No, it's like the only time that all countries, not all, like pretty much all the major players in the world have agreed to sign a con like a, a treaty, you know, agreement on, right? So it's pretty much to sum it up, there's no allowed to be no military presence there and no storage of any kind of weapons or anything like that. And it's only to be occupied by um, scientific in a scientific means, like to, you know, 
anything scientific related, meaning they can't have like a, oh, and there cannot be any permanent establishment on Antarctica either by any country. That's really interesting. And there, so that leads me to believe something there because it's like, why would they agree to do that? But yeah, we can't agree to to not fight each other. You know what I mean? Like, it just I don't I don't buy that. I feel like we the the, the world tends to fight over this what we see is the smallest things a lot of times. But yet we are able to make an agreement to and to hold it for that long because the Antarctic Treaty. Let me see. I don't want to misspeak. Was signed. Nineteen sixty one. Yeah. And it's 12 countries signed it. Which I know is not like all the countries, obviously, but it's all the major players. But there has been talk here recently on the conspiratorial side of Antarctica. I mean, Antarctica. Russia backing out of the Antarctic Treaty for whatever reason. All right. So there's three acts. You said... Antarctica shall be used for peaceful purposes only. Right. Freedom of scientific investigation in Antarctica and cooperation toward that end shall continue. Uh-huh. And then scientific observations and results from Antarctica shall be exchanged and made freely available. Oh, so it doesn't mention anything about no military presence then? Uh, just peaceful purpose, basically. Oh, okay. So I paraphrased heavily. Um, well, since there's a lot of like, it's like a lot of it's like research heavy, yeah. right? Like people are down there doing research. Well, we they tell us, yeah. I mean, like you were down there can, making math for all we you know. You can go there. There's been people that have tried to go. Oh, I plan to. So you, I think it's like ten or twenty thousand dollars a right. That's the first thing. And there's only certain times that you can travel down there because I guess the way the seas. And on top of that. You, they will only take you to like a peninsula and then they take you to like what they call the South Pole, but it's not even the South Pole. It's a symbolic South Pole. So I looked into it because I wanted to go for, um, like I wanted to see the penguins and said that I've been to Antarctica. And you can go to Argentina and go across and then you basically like just touch Antarctica, pay the penguin, and come back. Right. So you're right. So that's why I understand. You can't really do a ton. That's why I don't understand is that if it's, I, I just don't understand why they're so strict. Like, that you can only go to certain spots. I mean, there's a ton of, of bases around there and everything else, you know, on Antarctica. There's like, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like 10 different regions of Antarctica. And different countries own different pieces of it, right? Um, what I don't understand is why you can't like choose which one you go to. I mean, even if you were with another country, if you did go there, I think they still take you to the same like peninsula and see the same penguins and see the same symbolic North Pole. It's always the same spot that they're taking people. So, hmm. And I mean, it goes into the flat earth theory too. I mean, apparently if you go there and like I said, this is a huge landmass, it's much bigger 
than both what was it the United States and Europe combined or whatever I said in the beginning. Um. Oh yeah, yeah, both the United States and Europe combined. Now, granted, if you look around and you know it's huge, tall ice shelves, that's where people get the idea of flat Earth because of all the ice is holding the water in to to bring the flat Earth into this talk. So it it just it's it's very curious. That's that's the main thing I leave behind is it's very curious, and it could be they take you to the same spot because they don't want you to wander off and find the entrance to the um, inner Earth. You know. And then what do you do? Is there a shopping mall there? Hey, it could be with rainbow stuff. I mean, if not, if there isn't, I'm not going. Um, I probably wouldn't fit me because it'd probably be for tall blondes. And so it wouldn't fit within my color palette <laughs> and it'd be too long on me. Yeah, it's just, it's it's extremely fascinating. And the fact that Russia's backing out now, I get the trouble in the world with Russia and everything right now. I get that. But why, why would that be on their to-do plate is to drop out of that, you know? Very interesting. Oh, I forgot that was muted. Oh. Yeah, that I don't know. Like, I feel, I feel like Antarctica is the last place to be discovered. But they're like, why hasn't it been? But then I also feel like, where have these like aliens been? Because they could have helped with a lot of other things. Well, they say they don't interject. They don't involve themselves in the... Why? I guess the to keep our populate like our world like um untouched, you know, let it do it. Let us do our own thing, you know, don't interject in our workings. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's no different than like, well, we don't, we don't do this, but we don't, you know, we don't put ourselves and in, in mess ourselves with other countries politics which is we, we know that us does that that's a known fact but uh-huh. you know, it's kind of that i guess you know we don't do it out right in the open at least you know i don't know I, I i just think it's very very curious very interesting and i would love you know there's pictures that come out and say there's pyramidal structures that that, that are you know from like google earth and stuff like that but um Apparently, somebody was saying not too long ago, they've blocked out a lot of stuff that you can't see in Antarctica, like, you know, from um, Google Earth and stuff. And there's been pictures leaked, supposedly, of the um, inner Earth entrance of Antarctica. And also, if you guys saw the, what was that, King Kong versus Godzilla movie? Oh yeah, I love that. That's this. It's based off that principle of an inner Earth entrance as well in Antarctica. That's where they went. Um, in the movie, I don't get how things can grow. You're not getting sunlight. Well, there's apparently they have their own sun within the Earth, and that's why we think and say that there's this hot magma ball in the center of our Earth because that's their huh. sun. Got it. You know, that's what they say now. Like the mainstream science says there's a magma ball within yeah, the core. Yeah, the core. So that would be their sun. But instead of it being like a nothingness, um, there's, there's stuff underneath. So here, so this is a picture of, I'll send it to you guys. This was kind of a modified version of, and I think I might have shown this during our, um, Hollow Earth 
We did an episode on Hollow Earth, right? Yeah. I think I used it in our Hollow Earth uh, episode, but this is like the inner Earth. So it'd be the sun in the middle, and then there's a whole continent like within it. It's called Agartha. Agartha? I don't know. Um, And they have their own oceans and everything else. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense. And it's not saying there's like this thin barrier between our world and theirs. I mean, it's pretty heavy amount of material between there. But they say there's also that caves in certain areas will lead to the inner earth as well. So it's not like the North and South Pole are the only entrances. It's also there's entrances that they, you know, some of the caves and stuff that lead to it. But yeah, it's it's plausible. I mean, it's 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 almost to me even more plausible than the the flat earth conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. Um but it's it's definitely interesting. And the, and then the North Pole stuff. I mean, there's photos from the North Pole. I don't know as many like I don't want to say facts, but I don't know as many things with the North Pole as I do the uh, Antarctica regarding this, but years ago, old so we do like old maps of North Pole. There's like a whole center. There's like continents up there. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, here it is. So this is like a topical view. If you're like at the top of the earth looking down, this is like a topical view of that. And there's like maps. Oh, sorry, not maps, but continents surrounding an island. So that's like an old map of the t- top part of the earth. And that's where like tar- the name Tartaria comes from because I think a map like this, and it could be this map itself, uh, lists like Tartaria, a country that is pretty fascinating. Pretty fascinating. But it is pretty fascinating. I hope one day I get to meet them. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. And you know what? That could be why we're seeing all these ships and they're pushing the alien thing right now, too, because it's getting to the point where they can't keep it a secret any longer and it's easier to ease us into it than it is to drop it on our plate, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. That's that's what I got for the oh. uh, Admiral Bird. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I missed why it was called High Jump. What's yeah, that? I don't, think why, I don't think you went over why it was called Mission Operation High Jump. Well, as with most operations like that, I don't. They don't really have like a whole that, that I came. Was just the like, random name associated with it. Oh, I so the only thing I came, I did okay. Now I remember. So the only thing I saw the reason why they called that is because they plan on doing like a leapfrog action to get further into the continent. So they would fly in, um. drop down stop and then fly in again so they'd basically be making like long leaps i mean that was the only thing that like remotely made sense of why they called it that but you know like i said most of the operations like that there's not a huge reason that they call it that it might have a little bit of a reason or something that somebody thought of during the planning of the mission but um you know it could be as simple as like operation blue book it was called that because the log book that they used to track that stuff was a blue book you know so they, it could be just as simple right. as that. Okay. Good stuff. But yeah, I want to thank everybody for 
joining on join us joining us on this episode. I actually was able to read somewhat well this time. Um, so A plus for me, I get a gold star. I didn't stumble as, as many words and sound like I uh, barely passed the fifth grade. No offense to anybody that didn't pass the fifth grade, but <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's good. And I uh, can't wait to do more, more episodes like this. And like I said, we're, we're up to take suggestions on topics. So if you're getting bored with our selection or, you know, tired of hearing about aliens or you want to hear more about aliens, let us know, chime in, let us know what you want to hear. Um, and we'll, We'll be glad to cover it. Uh, we're definitely looking for suggestions. So, yeah. Well, thanks so much, Chris, for sharing. Looking forward to our next topic. And yeah, keep it going. Um, you know, thanks for letting me sing my song about "Welcome to Massyville." Yeah, and thank you for you know doing the voiceovers for you know the master and his two henchmen there. I feel like people needed to know absolutely what they sounded like. It's my accents, I don't. I would not be good. Not be good at all. You know, it's funny though, because I actually feel like I don't do a great German accent. And considering like our parents speak German and like, you would think they'd be better at it. Yeah, you'd think we'd be spot on. But, you know, I took four years of German and I yeah. can't, I can barely speak a lick of it now. I can understand it better than I can speak Nicht it. Gut. Same, same. Yeah. Yeah. Nein, gut. Nein, gut. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for joining us. And thank you, Amanda and Angela, for jumping on. And- doing it with me and like i said check us out on our instagram twrd underscore podcast and please reach out and uh send us an email if you have any suggestions on topics or you want to come on and chat with us about one you can reach us at the waters run deep podcast at gmail.com um if you, if you don't reach us that way you can of course do the instagrams and also don't forget to rate and review on your platform of choice and please 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 tell your friends and family your mailman everybody to take a listen uh, if you leave us a five star the offer still stands we'll send you some stickers and um just just let us know till next time Woo-hoo. all right bye friends Bye-bye.